0: The Jericho Network on Westwood One. This is One on One with Mitch LaFond, the podcast where the rockers talk, part of the Talking Metal Digital Podcasting Network. Now, here's your host, Mitch LaFond.
1: Welcome to One on One with Mitch LaFond, and joining me on this episode, it is Pretty Maid's singer Ronnie Atkins. We talk about the band's new album, Kingmaker, his relationship with guitarist Ken Hammer, and a lot more. Before checking that out, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch LaFon, M I T C H L A F O N. Instagram is Mitch underscore LaFon. Facebook one on one Mitch LaFon, and PayPal dot me forward slash Mitch LaFon. Should you care to support the podcast. And with that, here is the one, the only singer for pretty maids. Ronnie Atkins. We are speaking with a pretty-made singer Ronnie Atkins. The new album is Kingmaker and it is absolutely a fantastic album. Um good day Ronnie. Pleasure to speak with you. Hello. Hey, how
0: are you doing?
1: Good, good. And um you know let, let, let's just start with the new album because there's so much in your history that I want to get uh, that I want to get to. Um mm-hmm. just sort of talk to me about putting this album together and you know after all these years you've been around since the early 80s. Uh, What sort of motivates you to keep going and, and keep finding that sound? You know, why not just tour on the catalog?
0: well I mean yeah I mean basically because honey you you know the whole thing started out with you uh that you know when you were 10 years i mean you dreamed about making music you know that people eventually would like you know and go on the road and play it live in front of people you know i mean that motivation is still there um we're still motivated to do that and um, of course i know i mean record uh, releasing a record these days releasing a new album you know i mean it, it because it doesn't sell a hell of a lot, you know, because of the physical sales has dropped as much as they have. But, but that's still that's still what drives us, you know, to create some new, new music, you know. And um, and um, I feel that as long as you're capable of doing it, I mean, why not, you know? I mean, also, I mean, you can't just keep touring. I think I think people want to hear some new material. You know, I mean, we could tour. We got a we got a long we got a 35 year old history and we got a lot of albums in, in the back catalog. And so of course, in principle, we could, but. um it, it's more fun to go out and, and, you know, create some new stuff, you know. So, uh, so we decided to do this album, like, um, like in 2000, the end of 2014, I think we started. Me and Kenny started, you know, throwing a couple of ideas at each other, you know, and did a few things in 2015. And but basically, this album was was pretty much uh, written and recorded like a month or two prior to uh, when we started recording it in, in the studio, like first of February. So it's, it was like, um, it's, it's very fresh material, i got to say. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's very much how, how Pretty made sound like in
1: 2016. Yeah. You know, as you, you've gone over this, the 30-plus year career, and you get to Kingmaker, do you think that you have a freedom to sort of ex, to experiment with the sound? Or does your fan base really want Pretty Maids to have that sound? <laughs>
0: I mean, first of all, uh, I think the most important thing is that you satisfy yourself, that you're pleased with your material yourself. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're probably a, a bit more open-minded today. I mean, we try to stick, um, you know, to the formula that, that we originally had, I guess, because, I mean, that was very much based on the bands that we grew up with in the 70s and the early 80s. Um, so, I mean but these days we probably we, we try to try to update ourselves a little bit both musically i guess and and sound wise as well you know to be let's say kind of relevant um, and the last couple of years i think we succeeded in doing that you know but still st- while well, we were still sticking to our roots musically you know and um, you know a good song is basically a good song you know what what we're doing today i mean saw so the songs on king mago a couple of them is, is basically pop songs that we kind of produced into being hard rock or heavy songs, you know. Um, and that that's the challenge, really, and that's fun. We probably wouldn't have done that, like, 30 years ago. And, you know, we are we pro- probably more it's gotta be heavy and stuff like that, you know. But that said, we always had um, you know, that 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 melodic aspect of the band was always there since since day one, you know. And uh, and it's still there. Uh, I mean, a good song is a good song. It's, um, it, it's a matter of a package, really, you know. Oh, uh, God, I feel feel like I'm repeating myself. (laughs) I've said that in so many interviews.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, let's try to keep this uh, interview original then. Uh, And, you know, I also want to talk about Nordic Union, which you put out earlier this year, too. Another masterpiece. But you mentioned influences. So let's talk Mm. influences. Kingmaker video on the wall, you've got pictures of Kiss. On the Spook CD, you covered Hard Luck Woman. And on Future World, you had Eddie Kramer come in and produce it. So first of all, just talk to me about what's the fascination with KISS?
0: Right. I just think that that Kiss. I mean, speaking for me and Kenny, who are the the you know the old farts in the band, we, bo- we both grew up with bands like uh, like Kiss. Definitely. I mean, I remember the first album I bought with Kiss was Destroyer, and uh, to me still that uh, that's a great album. It's it's just one of the great albums from my childhood, and Rock and Roll Over, Love Gone, you know that kind of stuff. And Kenny, the same thing. Um, but we grew up with all these like 70s bands uh like uh, deep purple, Siple, and black sabbath i mean i'm a big, i'm a huge black sabbath fan the first six black sabbath uh, black sabbath albums with us is some of the most probably some of the most important hard rock albums heavy metal albums for me uh, where, like, bands like Thin Lizzy is a huge uh, influence on Ken, you know. I like, I love Thin Lizzy as well, you know. So we grew up with all these 70s bands. And then, you know, then came the, you know, the, all the bands that came out of Deep Purple, Rainbow, White Snake, and, and the whole new wave of British heavy metal thing, you know, that came along in around 80 81, you know yeah so that 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 that's that's a lot that that's the bands that had a, had a big impact on us
1: they really did and 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 since you mentioned that the new wave of british heavy metal uh, i'm just going to throw this out there but uh, tigers of pantang just released a new album that is phenomenal so there you go but uh okay. yeah
0: let's haven't heard it,
1: have to Oh you, you you're gonna have to it's it's very much worth checking out but uh let's get back then to uh, future world you hired eddie kramer as a producer and it, it didn't end well um what was the sort of the concept going in when you when you reached out to Eddie? What were you expecting? Uh, just sort of tell me about working with with him.
0: I mean, um, well, we, I think we expected something else. You know, we we, we I remember there was a band called Icon who had an album out called Might of the Crime at the time being, and um, we were pretty influenced by that album. We loved that band and stuff like that. And Eddie Kramer produced that. And you know, for a band from Denmark, I mean, everybody at the record company as well. Wanted us to have an American producer, and we and, and we checked out a few that wasn't available. So Eddie Kramer, Eddie Kramer came up, you know, and a pretty pretty good CV done, like Kiss, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Hendrix, and stuff like that, you know. So that was that was quite impressive back then. But I mean, he was a very nice guy, you know. But I think at the time being, for producing a an 80s hard rock heavy metal band, I think he was he was a little over the hill, to be honest. You know, I mean, and that's not said without, well, with with disrespect, you know, because he's done his things in in his past. But um, it it just didn't work out. You know, we wanted something else, and so we, you know, he was like, yeah, sacked, and uh, and we carried on on our own more or less, you know? you know, and had some somebody else to mix the album.
1: Right, you had uh, Fleming Rasmussen mix it.
0: Yeah, Fle- Fleming mixed uh, some of the the more heavy stuff on the album. For instance, like the future, future World, uh, the title song. And then we had Kevin Elson. Uh, right. Then we flew to to San Francisco or Berkeley and and, and mixed here. And he mixed four songs. You know, at the time being, he he just done Europe and their final countdown album and. We were on the same record label, you know, so they insisted that he should do it, you know, so they could maybe have another final countdown. Unfortunately, it didn't go that well. Um, but, uh, he, yeah, he did a great job on, on three or four songs, you know. So uh, really yeah, that was basically the two people that mixed the album, yeah.
1: So, so let me just ask you then about producers, because you said that he was sort of over the hill. And I look back in my record collection, and, and stuff from the 70s, if it has Bob Ezrin on it, it was great. And then in the 80s, if it's sort of Bob Rock, it... Do producers sort of have an era and a time, and and can you sort of lose the ears of what's fresh and, and, and exciting?
0: i guess they have haven't they i mean i mean a lot of the producers from the 80s and stuff you don't really hear about them anymore i think every time right. has uh every every time has their top-notch producers kind of you know and and well maybe they can well be gone for a couple of years and then then be back you know like bands some bands do, you know I, it's difficult to say i mean but i see yeah well i guess that's right every time has its 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 own producers
1: right in of, a sense like know? when was the last time you heard of a mutt lang produced album kind of thing right <laughs> Um, I haven't I haven't heard
0: about him for a
1: long time, well, but exactly. I guess he's
0: well. He, he's he's well. He, he's he's all right. I mean financially. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I haven't heard of much. But he was actually one of my. I mean, some some of the stuff he's done in the past is is absolutely awesome. And and you know, like Def Leppard was always always um, a huge uh, influence on me. Actually, I think. I mean, Paramania and Hysteria, is some of the best albums that was done at all in the eighties, talking about melodic rock. So and he produced those albums. I mean, everybody that could get hold of him would absolutely love to. But he did very few things after all and probably very expensive too yeah, probably. but he's done some he's done some great work and also he's produced one of my all-time favorite albums which is acd's back in black you know i mean he's done a lot of great stuff you know but i haven't actually heard heard from him for for a while now he's mostly doing country stuff like in nashville i guess
1: yeah like it, it, it's strange though how 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 producers just have sort of an era or a decade and then they just vanish mm-hmm. i mean these are these are great great names uh, of course, uh, you mentioned Rainbow, and of course, Future World had Gray and Bonnet sing on it. Um, let me ask you then about the Danish connection and Fleming, because he also produced um, Sin Decade and Scream.
0: Yeah, and Copedion
1: actually. And, right, and so, of, and of course Metallica. So, so let's talk about yeah. working with with Fleming. What did he bring to the band? And was it sort of the Metallica connection that went to get it, or was it more of the Danish connection, or is just like, no, we need a producer and he's a good one?
0: It was more like we need a producer and he's a good one. I mean he he, he was good, but he's a I mean, first of all, he's a lovely guy, and he's a great guy, you know. But Fleming and it worked fine when we worked, all the times we worked with him, it was it was really cool. But he he's he's like the more engineer kind of producer, you know. Um some producers are not really engineers. Uh, he's not a musician himself, Fleming, you know. For instance, if you Actually, um, but it, it went well, it went well. And, uh, for the time being anyway, like today we're working with a guy called Jacob Hansen, you know, but he, but he's more like a musician and, um, he's also an engineer, you know, but I, I actually do prefer working with people who are either guitarists or singers themselves. Um, and in the case of, uh, Fleming, he wasn't, but it worked fine. And we, there was a great chemistry in the studio and he's a, absolutely a great guy. I still see him now and then. So, uh, It worked well, but he had his time back then as well, I guess, you
1: know. He really did. Uh, Let's look back at the band's history. You've been around since 1981. Uh, The European market and Japanese markets, from what I can tell, do exceptionally well for you. North America, where I am, has been a a tad bit more difficult for you. What has been sort of the reason you think that has kept you from being a Def Leppard or a Bon Jovi over here?
0: Bad luck. I mean, no, seriously, it, coincidences, I guess. I mean, you know, back in 87, we actually had. Well, I mean, listen, look, I mean, we were signed to the Danish Sony Music, you know. If we would have been signed to New York directly or London or something like that, it probably would have been a different uh, situation. But actually, back in 87, we were we were signed to do a European tour with Deep Purple and do the Monsters of Rock festivals here in Europe. At the same time, we had the chance to go out with Whitesnake in America. We were actually offered to go out with them for three weeks. If we had done that, but we couldn't do it because we had a, a, a lot of But, I mean, if we, we'd done that, um, things probably would have been different. Also, back then, we had uh, managers interested in America, but they wanted us to move to America, but we, we which we did, didn't want to do. I mean, it's always easy to, to look... Look, look back and say, oh, we should have done this, we should have done that. And there's probably a lot of things we should have done differently. Um, but So yeah, that's probably why we never really toured America. Uh- and it's I would love to.
1: Yeah. Do, do you regret not um, having moved to L.A. and, and set up shop on, on the Sunset Strip? Or is it, eh, you know, it, I don't know. It might have worked, might have not. Who knows? You never know.
0: I mean, you right. never really know. But I think I, it, it would have been easier and, and, and the possibility would definitely have been a lot bigger if we'd done that back then. There's, there's no doubt about that. But I mean... Today, I eventually will still hope we'll be able to go and play some concerts in, in, in America, absolutely. I mean, we just played the Pro Power Festival in Atlanta, and uh, we did these Monsters of Rock Cruises, you know, but it's not really on American soil, but we'd love to do that one day, absolutely, because I mean, I've, I've never played, I played there with Aventasia this year, where we played like in, uh, uh, in Los Angeles and New York and Toronto, and uh, it was an amazing crowd, it was an amazing audience, far beyond my expectations, to be honest uh, yeah. so I'd definitely go. love to go there and we also got tons of stuff uh, I mean in our mailboxes and stuff like that from American fans you know, so we definitely have a following and I could see it while I was there because there was a lot of people coming up with Pretty Much Records and you know, I had like the whole collection and stuff like Die Hard yeah. Fans and I'd love and the whole band would love to play in America absolutely so like let's like, see but it's very difficult a lot of people ask why don't you play here and why don't you play in Australia and stuff like that but I mean financially it's, it's, it's not it's not possible I mean because it'll, it'll cost you a lot of money just to get a working permit and you know it's so damn difficult and i wish it wasn't because yeah, then we, 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 we would be there
1: absolutely. And, and it's expensive for for promoters too I, I mean i know a couple of promoters that want to bring the band over but then you have to yeah. factor in four four flights plus road crews so all of a sudden exactly. you got ten flights ten rooms and you know, a a thirty five hundred dollars show, all you know, is, is now twenty five thousand, and you you can't make that money back on. Uh, no, no, sense. no.
0: So it's it's like it's really it, it's just impossible. i I'm, I just read a read an interview with Vivian Campbell actually talking about uh, the, the Last in Line band, how difficult it was for them. I mean, they're based over there. I mean, it's it, it is tough when you have to put airfares and stuff on top, and and you know get get your visas and working permits and stuff like that. It's just. Uh, it, it can't happen. I mean, unless you get a very good offer, and as you say yourself, I mean, promoters can't come up with these offers. Simple yeah. as that. So, but I hope one day we'll be able to make some kind of a package tour with some other band or two other bands or something like that. That's probably the most uh, reasonable to do, uh, I guess. You know, uh, but but you know, yeah. let's let's see. There's no plans. I mean, we got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, but let's see what happens in 2017
1: you know, or 18. Uh, maybe bundle it up with Avantasia. But before we get to Avantasia, Ken Hammer. He's been with you since the beginning. Yeah. Um, what, what? First of all, what does Ken mean to you? What does he bring to you uh, personally, professionally? Um, just talk to me about Ken and your relationship.
0: Well, you know, we've been we've been doing this. You know, it started out. I think. Pretty soon, when we met for the first time, like 35 years ago, we, we had the same dream, you know, uh, had the same goals, and I guess we, we both had the kind of maybe the same egos, you know. <laughs> but first of all, we had the capability of writing songs together, you know, so that way we could use each other, you know. Uh, but later on, it you know it, it turned it, it's it's a friendship. I mean, we speak to each other several times a week still, you know, and we both have the same kind of humor. We're having a good time. It's a laugh, you know, and. Um, and still, we can still, as, as long as we can still write write some good music, um, um, we'll probably keep on doing it. I mean, as long as it's fun, you know. And we're still having fun, you know. Of course, we have our, I mean, we're like an old couple, right? I mean, uh, thirty-five years is a long time, uh, but uh, and we still have our arguments and stuff like that about certain things, you know. But we're still getting along, you know. And, and I would say it's a good, strong relationship, actually.
1: Yeah, a good so, working relationship. Was there any hmm. point in that thirty-five years where where he looked at you or you looked at him and said, "That's it, I'm done, goodbye"? Or
0: yeah, that probably was a couple. You know, we we said, sometimes we had some arguments where we didn't speak to each other for two or three months. You know, but it but it but it happens rarely. I mean, it's rarely. It's. Uh, I think it was mostly in the younger days. I mean, now we're in the fifties. I mean, if you have a problem, you know, we sit down and talk about it. You know, and and that's settled. You know, it's so it's not. Um, But, of course, you can't go through life without having arguments with with the same person for 35 years. Um, I mean, I've been married for 25, so I know what I'm talking about. I mean, mean, there's there's not a big difference apart from the fact that me and Ken actually doesn't have sex together. But uh, apart from that, uh, it's it's a bit the same, you know.
1: (laughs) Um, Nordic Union. Uh, It was a fantastic album. Was that sort of one and done, or will there be more Nordic Union coming? Well, I don't
0: know. I mean, basically, it was a suggestion from you know from the record company, from Frontiers Records, and uh, and I, I just said said yes. I mean, if it's good songs and you know, I, I wouldn't mind trying to do that because I thought it would be it would be funny to do something else for a change, you know. And um, so I, I just said if I'm not a part of the songwriting and that'll be okay because I didn't want to mix things up with what I was doing with Pretty Mates because I knew we were going to do a new album so I mean that that album turned out very well very well and had a lot of great views and feedback and I still got a lot of stuff from people that things why don't you go on the road you know and are you gonna do a new uh, new one uh, actually am I'm, 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 I don't know I'm I, it's definitely not unlikely you know but I mean it's gotta it's gotta it's gotta fit in what I'm doing with pretty mates whatsoever so uh, there's absolutely possibility but uh, nothing nothing is a hundred
1: when you do a project like that does, does that cause uh, can any Issues or does does he say hey hey what are you doing here we we've, we've got pretty maids or is it like hey you know go have some fun?
0: Well, I mean, I think he was a little I don't know I'm not sure he was too happy about it. He thought it was awkward that I did something else. I mean, you know, it's like an old. As I said, we're an old couple, you know. But, I mean, on the other hand, it, it didn't uh, really affect... Oh, I'm also doing the Aventasia thing. I don't know if he's, he's, if he's thinks it's a great idea. What I do know is that when I do, whether I do Aventasia or Nordic Union, uh, I also make... make um, every time my name is mentioned, it says Ronnie Atkins from Pretty Mates. And I know for a fact that at the concerts I see a lot of Aventasia t-shirts and stuff like that. And I also know from what I've read that people actually got into Pretty Mates because of Aventasia or Nordic union so i mean it's it's an ad anyway for, for for my own band you know but pretty much it's still my first priority um on the second hand i mean I'm I'm, I'm 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 i'll be 52 in a couple of days and uh i don't feel i should ask for permission to do whatever i do because i do if i got a good offer from to do something and i find it interesting i'll do it you know and i don't ask for permission so right. uh um, but you
1: shouldn't so that, let's talk avantasia real quick uh the ghost lights tour ghost lights album um talk to me about that project it, it, you know you did those shows in in north america the three shows is this sort of done too or is there or as avantasia in your future as well
0: well i think there is avantasia in my future if they want me in and if and, and again if it fits into my schedule um why not? I mean, it's been a great adventure for me doing that because the great thing about this is that like, you know, in pretty mates, whether it's not a union or Aventasia, but in pretty mates, I'm one of the, I have a lot of responsibilities as a, as you know, as the singer, as the front man, as the songwriter and all the business side of it as well. You know, in these two other things, I'm basically a hired hand, you know, and, um, I don't have these responsibilities. So that's, that's some kind of a relief for me. And, and it's fun to do. And, um, if people thought that I was uh, I couldn't concentrate on pretty mates uh, because I was doing these things, I've just proved them wrong because we just did a great album with Kingmaker. I mean, it, it it doesn't make a difference for me. It just just gives me some fresh air, you know, kind of inspiration, whatsoever. But I mean, the, the whole story is I was asked to do this eventation thing actually in '99. Toby, so, to his son had called me. Um, I don't know where he got my phone number from, but he called me. But back then. And asked me to participate in, in, you know, in this uh, the Metal Opera album, the first album they did. But I would never have done it, and I didn't know who he was or what Avantasia was or anything. So, to, to make a long story or a short story long, you now then, I, then I met him in 2012 and, uh, on a on a cruise in the Caribbean, you know, this 70,000 tons of metal. And I spoke to him for the first time. And Toby is like, the whole Avantasia concept, what he's using vocalists that had an impact on him, or bands, that, or from bands that he grew up with, you know. And um, so he just asked me to, he didn't ask me at the time, but later on I had a request if I would sing another song. And and I said, well, send me a song and I'll, I'll listen to it and see if I like it. And there was a song called Invoke the Machine. And I liked that song, so I did that. Then later on, he asked me to to do the the Mystery of Time tour, and I did that, and it was a great experience, because it was really nice people. We were like 32 people on the road, but no arguments with anyone, no egos, just like one big family. And it was the same thing with Ghost Lights, and so I really enjoyed that. So uh yeah there's absolutely a possibility that I'll do it again but it all depends I'm when, not sure whether he wants me in let's see
1: <laughs> Oh I'm sure he does I'm sure he does when you when you're working on albums like Ghostlight and Nordic Union and you're seeing different production values and different song ideas brought in do you take any of that back to Pretty Maid's and go hey that would be kind of cool on on the next or Not do you really keep because it, separ- okay. I mean, it-
0: no it's it's very it's very different from what we do in pretty Image. you know pretty Image, we we still do things the old fashioned way and i mean that positively because we we um we we're together you know we we do the pre project we record it together we record all the basic tracks together and stuff like that and um uh but the other projects i'm doing Avantasia and or you know, whatever whatever i'm doing uh that's always on like i'm just getting an m p three file and uh, book some time in the studio and record it, and that—that's what I did actually. So very easy for me in the studio is like an hour from where I live. So, uh,
1: so
0: no, <laughs> no, so I wasn't—I wasn't really a part of the production as such,
1: not or, or, or the, or the songs, all. Okay,
0: yeah, and, I and just get a get a file and that's it.
1: So let me end with this today because we, we've passed the twenty-minute marks. Uh, Louder mm. than ever was released a couple of years ago, two thousand fourteen. You revisited some of your. Older songs or classic songs. Uh, tell me about that experience. And and looking back at some of your older material, um, you know, does it always meet your your quality standards now, or, or do you think, wow, man, when we, we do this song, we need to tweak this and tweak that? How was it sort of revisiting those songs for you? Oh, that
0: was that that wasn't uh, as good as I thought it would be. You know, first of all, the first idea about this louder than ever thing was that actually. We wanted to do some acoustic stuff, some live recordings, uh, some new recordings and some re-recordings, but it all became too messy, you know, and we couldn't figure out what and this and that, you know. So we just ended up like writing four new songs for it and then, you know, re-record some of the stuff from what I say the, the dark period or maybe the period from the 95 up till 2002, I think, where... The, all the there wasn't so much int- attention on the band back then so we just thought that we give these songs another go but it was a lot more difficult to to, to get the right spirit and the right atmosphere into the songs uh, Than the, the, it was hard to make them as good as the originals to be honestly that's that's how i felt so i wouldn't do that again not yeah. for an album anyway yeah. maybe for one song or something like that but but that was that wasn't the experience uh, i would do it again but then we tried it we tried it and uh, it, it went went pretty well, but it's I'd, I'd rather do new new music absolutely. Yeah,
1: and and it's hard to to capture the magic twice. I mean, that's that, that's what makes a song special. It's it's the vibe and the uniqueness and what you capture
0: exactly. That Especially if you think you've done a good performance on a song. I remember there was a one song. uh that's, that's a song called With These Eyes, which is uh, well, I'm very happy about the original version, you know, and and uh, but I never thought the the song had the chance it should have to get out to a big audience. So we decided to do that one, but I was very happy with uh, with the original recordings of it, uh, both musically and vocally. So that that one wasn't particularly tough to do again. You know, I, I couldn't I couldn't capture the right feelings and spirit as I felt like like uh, well, that I did like uh, so many years before that. You know, um, so that was that was weird. That was pretty weird.
1: Yeah, that was a strange experience. And uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned that the album was going to have some acoustic stuff for, for for fans listening to this who haven't. Uh, checked out uh, Striped by Pretty Maids from 1993. That is a brilliant, brilliant uh, album. Very fun. It's
0: just, stripped is just an album consisting of some good songs, you know. And the funny story about the album is that we actually did five, uh, five songs for an album called Offside which was like a bonus CD we released in 92 but then we wanted to get out of our record deal and I said okay and that 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 offside thing went pretty successful so they right. said if you write another five six songs and do a full album you know we are out of the deal and so we did and but fortunately writing those type of songs was never a problem for me and Kenny and I still we, we have tons of that stuff on old recorders and stuff like that that's that's never been used so it would be I guess it would be pretty easy to do a strip part 2 if that's what we wanted but that would be new songs can okay. Can I Something can I else, vote
1: can for be? that? Can I can I raise my hand you, and say yes, please? I'll, I'll, I'll count you in. Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah, uh, I think Strip Two would be it would be very much uh, welcomed from the fan base. Um, Ronnie, uh, well,
0: uh, the, the funny thing about it was that when we released it, people got very surprised because they didn't expect that, you know. But it was very very successful up here in Scandinavia and especially in Denmark. But I think countries like Japan and stuff like that. What the fuck is this, you know? I mean, what are those guys doing now? I still think it's a good album, though, you know, but it's not a heavy metal album.
1: No, no, I but it's a fun album. A lot album. people expected that. And I, yeah, think, I think also, it is. in 1993, the whole concept of Unplugged and MTV Unplugged, and it was sort of starting, and, and people sort of were confused by it, but now in 2016, people are like, oh yeah, that's that's what bands do now. They do the symfon- the symphony album, the, the acoustic album, the live album, yeah. the, you yeah. know, I I think it would be um, better received, uh, these days. Um,
0: maybe, 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 but I um, yeah, well, let's see. We don't have any plans about that though, but, uh, who knows, who knows about the future?
1: Yes. Uh, mm. well, the future is now, it is a checkout Kingmaker, Ronnie, a great, great pleasure. As my mom always says, uh, tack, right? We have, we have <laughs> to be Dane. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you okay. go. Tack. Uh, be- being yeah, from the yeah. Danish connection as well. Um, there yeah. you go. Thank you. It's, it's it an absolute pleasure speaking with you this morning.
0: It was a pleasure speaking to you, too, man. Take and,
1: care. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully we'll get you to North America on a on a tour or some shows. It's, it's got to happen. I hope so. That would be great. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, man. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks, my interview with Ronnie Adkins, a singer for the band Pretty Maids. The new album is Kingmaker. It is going to make my top 10 of 2016 list for sure, so please check that out while checking stuff out. Yes, you know the drill. Check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, one-on-one, Mitch Lafon on Facebook, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon, should you care to support the podcast. And if you're into Instagram, it's Mitch underscore Lafon. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of plugging there, right there. Anyway, we're done. Thank you for listening. Uh, please check back soon. There's always an episode. In fact, always two episodes a week. So check back often. Tell your friends. Post, spread the news. Put me on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Thank you, folks. Have a good one. Bye for now.